Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in sisterhood, which... How oh, girl. have we not used that before? I don't know. Like, it's, it's so obvious. I just don't... <sighs> anyway, uh, my name is Summer White, and I'm here with my co-host, Joy. And Joy, I want you to know that if you were randomly chosen to enter a ring and battle for your life as entertainment for our post-apocalyptic nation, I would totally volunteer as tribute in your place. That's Well, the, thank you. You're welcome. Well, but um, I think I would want to be a part of the Hunger Games. I feel like you would, too. <laughs> but, like, because I want you to know how much I care right. for you, it's I'd be like, no, I counts. volunteer. Right. You know? And then you'd go and win, and it'd be fine. Well, and I would discover, like, from... Like, I would end up being like, no, it's okay, I'll go. <laughs> and then from the outside, you'd be like, all right, let's figure out a way to take down the system. Right. So we would, so we would rewrite... All of the a Hunger story, games. and mm-hmm. it would be a team effort, and it would be like wom- team woman power, right? Not just one girl right. power, and it would be. Um, this is actually where we got the Sheologians logo. It would be to get into the dome. You would like punch, <laughs> punch. through it, and that's where we got the Sheologians <laughs> logo. And cupcakes would shatter from the ceiling. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, great. Well, now people know. Yep, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you are right. I. Uh, I'm Joy Tembe, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer White. And Summer, um, people think that we are always together and that we're one person. Uh-huh. And I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. I don't even get mad when people like just randomly like, where's Joy? What's she doing? And I'm just like... I think if we were one person... Let me work on my ESP. We would really... Be well-rounded? Yeah. We would be really well-rounded. We would Think be of all the things we could get done. Great. Oh, I'd be able to eat great baked goods. <laughs> I'm thinking about all the things I can't do that you can. And, like, the first thing was, like, the cupcakes that floated in my head. Uh-huh. And the fun games I could play with my children. <laughs> because you're way better at that than I am. Clementine wants to play, like, pretend. And I'm like, I'm a librarian. <laughs> And she's like, uh, hmm. no. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's great. All right. So like we told you guys last week, Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor agreed so graciously to do two shows with us and we couldn't help ourselves. Um, we have a English professor, an, an English professor. <laughs> <laughs> nice start. <laughs> there we go. You can, you, can, you can only improve from here, Summer. I know. We're really, we can only climb after this moment. <laughs> I edited myself, so pat myself on the back. Right. Um, we have an English professor here with us today. And so we wanted to take the time uh, just to talk about, in general, the idea of story and why it's important. And so... Dr. Pryor, not only thank you for being here again and giving us more time, but can you tell us why you're a Christian and you love Jesus? Why are you an English professor? 
<laughs> I know because they just don't go together. Do they, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, short story is that I, I, I thought I wanted to be um, a social worker or a psychiatrist because I wanted to help people. That's really what I wanted to do. And I, I started out as a social work major in college and discovered that, mm, well, I, I discovered how much that profession is tied with the government and red tape and so forth. And I knew that wasn't going to be a good fit because I'm not a big fan of government. Right. Um, of course, later on, I learned that I'm not really a very nice person either. So probably me helping people <laughs> wasn't a good idea. Uh-huh. Um, and so <laughs> I'd always loved reading. I'd, you know, I grew up loving books because my mom read to me a lot. I grew up reading all the time with my nose always in a book. But it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that you you know, this could be something that's not just fun, but actually something that can engage the mind and that you that can be treated professionally and seriously. And so I became an English major with no clue what I wanted to do, because I also had grown up thinking that I would never become one of two things, a nurse or a teacher. Well, <laughs> of course, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Never say never. I, I still would never want to be a nurse. I uh, just said never. But um, <laughs> I completely discovered by accident in grad school when I tried teaching, because that's what everyone else was doing, that that really is what God created me to do. God created me to be a teacher. And so I was able to combine my love of English with my love of teaching. And guess what? I think I, hopefully I'm helping people. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, because I do think that is what stories do. Stories teach us so much about history and psychology and theology and, you know, human behavior. It's like every, every exciting and challenging kind of thing about being a human being can be found in literature. So it's like the best of all worlds. Right, right. Now, I have friends who... And I've heard the sentiment a lot and I am sympathetic because, you know, I am strapped for time. I definitely understand that there are not enough hours in the day. I definitely do not get to read anywhere near as much as I wish that I could, but I enjoy reading. So I have a desire to read. Um, But I have friends who say things like, you know, I just I can't justify picking up a fun, you know, like a novel or fiction, because if I'm going to pick up a book, then it needs to be something that's going to be beneficial. It needs to be theological. It needs to be edifying. And so in that, the presupposition there is that then fiction is just out as an option Mm -hmm. to something that's Mm going to be beneficial or edifying. So what would you say to that presupposition? Well, first, I'd say there's nothing, you know, really original about that idea. It goes all the way back to Richard Baxter in the 17th century, who basically said something like, uh, you know, first read the Bible, then read theology, then read sermons or something. And then if you have time, read fiction, by which he meant you wouldn't have time. But anyway, (laughs) got to love those Puritans. I do, really. (laughs) Yes. Um, But but then the other thing is that it it really, and here I'm an English professor, and this might shock you what I'm about to say. It is unfair of us to hold ourselves to a standard from this idealized, romanticized past when like everybody was reading or, you know, that's all that they did all day. Well, you know, that's all they had to do. Mm -hmm, (laughs) They mm -hmm. didn't have television and Netflix and iPhones and iPads. And so, you know, in, in previous ages when everyone was so highly literate and they read, um, well, I mean, that was a, 
that was after everyone became literate. So that is a, is a short time in history. Right. And we live in a different world now. There are other demands. And so it does take a great deal more intentionality and the cultivation of more desire to read even even a little bit. Right. Um, and I think we should all do that. Um, it doesn't mean we all have to have, you know, voluminous libraries and sit around and reading, be reading all day. But we really, especially as Christians, and we have to, especially as Protestants, we have to remember that we, you know, our faith is one that has a, is connected to the written word, to the word and also the written word. I mean, the written word is central to our theology and our faith. And so we really do have to have a more holistic understanding of what it means to read words compared to looking at images. Right. Right. So, you know, so it, it, it's hard. I, you know, I'm old enough to remember life before Al Gore invented the internet. And you're probably not old enough <laughs> to get that joke. I <laughs> um, know I get that joke. <laughs> okay. Um, so it, for me, I mean, this is my profession, but it's harder for me to find time and, and the attention span to read as much as I used to because so much of my work now involves my laptop and right. social media and so forth. So I'm highly sympathetic to everyone out there who is struggling to find time to read. Right. I am too. But let's just think more about, you know, can we work it in and should we work it in and why so? And, you know, maybe that's something we can talk about right. a little more. Why should we work it in? <laughs> well, funny you should ask. Um, well, again, you know, one of my, I'll just recommend this book. I mean, I could recommend books all day, but since we're talking about it, an excellent book to begin thinking about this is Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic now. It was published in 1985 before, again, before the internet was invented. And he was mainly concerned with the, with the television generation, the television culture. Um, but what Neil, Neil Postman does in this book is he, he, the whole book is focused on the difference between reading the, the logic that is required and the way our minds think when we're reading in a linear fashion, the printed text mm -hmm. versus looking at images. Mm -hmm. um, and it's written at a popular level. So it's written, it's not an academic book. So it's written so that anyone can, um, who's wondering about that, the difference between, say, watching Pride and Prejudice on film versus reading the book. It's, it's the same story. Well, except for the Kira Knightley one. Right. But anyway, <laughs> as we talked about last time. But, you know, we could say it's essentially the same story. So is there a difference between watching that? Because I think there's value in watching that film. It's, it's this great film. And a lot, I, I love film. I watch a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but there really is still something very different that happens in our minds uh, and the way our brains respond to the written text versus images. Um, right. And that's that, that book, Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death, is, is an excellent book, I think, for anyone who's interested in that idea. Right, right. Well, so, and I, I do think that they're, in terms of like, they're in terms of reading the book versus watching the movie, there is something to be said about even just the story. Yeah. <laughs> There's always more story yes. in the book. Yes. And so... I don't know, to me, and maybe it's because I like books, mm -hmm. but it almost just seems like an assault to be like, the mm -hmm. the movie works just as well. Right. It's like, well, it's not. Like, the movie isn't the words of the person that wrote this story. 
Um, it's an interpretation right. of the story. And some of the words maybe are the same. Right. But um, I don't know. It's just, it's it's different. Yeah. There's definitely something for me, There, there's a huge difference between, okay, so it's the end of the day. I'm exhausted. I got the kids in bed. I get to sit down. Um, and the past couple days, I've actually started reading a book. And I, mm-hmm. I made up my mind. I was like, I'm going to read a fiction book. And it's it's not going to be related to work. It's not going to be mm-hmm. so I can write an article. It is going to be purely for fun and entertainment. And what's funny is every night I sit down and I literally have this battle in my head. I go, okay, am I going to relax by turning on the TV mm-hmm. or am I going to relax by picking up this book? And picking up the book feels like more effort, but it also mm-hmm. feels more rewarding. Right. I know mm-hmm. I'm well, going to get more start, out of it. Once you start, does it seem like more effort? No. Once no. I start, all of a sudden, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm kicking myself. We've like trained ourselves to think that it's not as fun to read. Right. But really, it's just as good, just if as not better. Right. If you know the kind of books that you like reading. Now, that's another problem right, yeah. is that a lot of people will say, I don't like to read. I don't know what to read. I tried to read this book right. and it was boring. And then they give up and they don't end up finding anything. Right. They but we would never enjoy. do that with Netflix. We would never. We wouldn't give up. You're like, <laughs> I just I just unsubscribed from Netflix because I watched one thing and then I didn't <laughs> like it. Right. Like, that's not even it's it is really like a cop out. And, you know, I'm not making like this has nothing to do with my personal feelings for you if you don't read. I don't right. I don't care either way. I think you should, but yeah. I'm not going to be like, ew. Um, <laughs> we cannot be friends. But that's just the thing is there's really there's really no reason to not read. Right. Now, what do you think about things like Audible? I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I actually have, um, as I said before, you know, I find it increasingly difficult to find the time, make the time to read. I'm spending so much time on the devices. Um, so I have begun a, a year or so ago, I began listening to Audible when I was running because I wanted to make use of that time. Right. Just listening to pop music or something. Um, and that it, it you know, I, I hope some that some this will help people who maybe struggle with reading. I am not. Uh, I, I have a difficult time listening to books, you know, through the ear. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reader. Right. So I actually had to start with books that were just kind of fun and easy. And I'm still at that level. I can't listen. You know, I can't listen to Aristotle on Audible and it right. hold my attention. Right. Yeah, I um, I've tried. It. I've tried. So I think Audible <laughs> is wonder. I, I actually think list, when you develop the skills and I'm still developing my listening skills in that way. But it really is very similar, I think, to reading a book as opposed to watching on film you're still experiencing those words your mind still has to interpret the words and imagine what's being portrayed um so i think audible is an excellent uh, an excellent option and i'm very thankful for it right well i think that audible sort of does meet these two like the two worlds that we find ourselves Mm -hmm. in between like Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. like really our brains can process information faster than you can read for the most part right So that's why people think books are boring because Mm. they feel like it's moving slower than it needs to. Right. Um, It requires more focus. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But uh, well, to that I would say, the more you read, the faster yes. you can read. Right, right. Um, it is. It's a skill like any other. The right. more you do it, the better you get. And it's a simple skill. You know, right. it's, it hasn't changed since you learned it when you're five years old. You just right. get better and better at it. Exactly. And let me also l- recommend a, a, an app uh, called LibriVox. Mm. LibriVox, L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X, is uh, it's you, you have to kind of be look around because some of the some of the selections are have more quality than others but it's free and it's basically works that um are not whose copyrights have expired so they're older works um they're read by volunteers and so you can just listen to to novels and works of philosophy and and nonfiction that are you know that's older um and it's it's just free because audible can be expensive you know you have to pay the monthly fee and buy the books but librivox is completely free and you can listen to classics on it and um, again, it's not the high quality that Audible is, but it's another option for people who maybe um, can't spend right. the money required for Audible. Right. right. Well, yeah, I tend to do with um, books that are read to me, I tend to do better with nonfiction. Something about yeah. fiction, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I want to have yes. that book in my hand. Yes. I don't know what mm. that is. Yes. But yeah, listening to books is a great, if you really don't have time or if that's, or if you're, you you want to eventually have more time to read, sit down and read a physical book, but you just aren't there yet. Right. Listening to books is right. is a good option, too. And some of the fiction books, I, I have friends that listen to fiction and they like it because the person, the reader has an like amazing voice. And, and, yeah, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, these things. Sure. It's kind of like an adventures and odyssey or yeah. there's a I know that there's a um, there was a lion, uh, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe done. Uh-huh. Um, an audio version of it and like mm-hmm. a bunch of people read all the voices mm-hmm. and it's basically just like a play that you listen, listen to. to right um but yeah hey, i mean let, let's talk a little bit about fiction itself okay. you know whether it's a film or a story because you know again uh my friends the 17th century puritans were nervous mm-hmm. about fiction yes uh, there's a right. long history in the church about being nervous about fiction because you know for the puritans it was just simply the fact that it's, you know, because fiction is not, novels have not always been around. The no, novel arose in the 18th century. Um, before that, there were other kinds of, of fictions, but they weren't called novels. Right. Um, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, yeah, that's, that, that's, a, that's a lecture for a class. Let me No, get back I to was it. really, I was really getting, I was just thinking like, yes, I'm in class. So keep it up. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of people just, they just say, well, you know, they when they do read maybe they read a lot they just want to read nonfiction not fiction fiction I actually mm-hmm. had a friend recently send me this this article about how um it was about film and about about how all these different films that were made throughout history how they influenced people's behavior they changed the way people thought and he was you know sending it to me like to say aha see I told you you know stories change people's thinking and behavior and I said. Well, yeah, they do. That's the point. Of course they do. <laughs> right. You're, you're, you're not telling me something I don't know. That is what is so important and powerful about stories. We have to recognize it, though, as a power that can be good or bad. But we the thing is, what we don't as readily recognize is that we are narrative creatures. Yes. We are, you know, the way that God made us, the way our minds work. We we don't have to be reading a novel or watching a film to be immersed in the world of story, because what we do all day long is tell ourselves stories. If we're in traffic and someone annoys us, mm-hmm. we make up a story at that moment. We the story could be that man is a jerk. Right. 
and that's a story. Or we could, the story could be, oh my goodness, I wonder what is happening in that person's life right now. Right. At that moment, we are making up a story in our minds about that situation. And so the way I, the way that we think about the stories of our, of our every moment of our life is shaped by how well we've trained our minds to respond to the stories around us all, all day long. And so by reading fiction carefully and critically and um, thinking about the way that story works in our lives every day is an important skill and practice. And of course, I mean, it's almost cliche, but I have to say it. I mean, you know, the Bible begins with essentially once upon a time right, <laughs> and right. ends with the wedding, <laughs> right? The right. way all good stories do. Right. It happens to be a right. true story, right. but it's still the whole of the Bible is really, you know, I mean, well, the gospel, it means good story. Right. Um, and so we really, as Christians, need to think more critically and more conscientiously about the way everything is, is a story in our lives and the way it operates along narrative principles. And reading fiction, if we do it thoughtfully and critically and watching film that way, helps us to do that. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, it's obvious, you know, we'll, we'll tell our children you know, we want to protect our children from watching certain things on TV, watching certain movies, because we know it impacts them. And fiction is the same way. Like what you Mm -hmm. take in, what media you take in, whether it is a movie or music or a book, it does impact the way you think. And so the written, obviously we believe that because we believe scripture changes us when we read it. We hope that scripture changes us when we read it. Um, And so there is a lot to say about how what we, everything we choose to take in is going to impact us. And so that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate about, about fiction and good fiction and Christians need to be producing good fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just by and large, not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's not to say that there aren't any, because I have read great fiction by Christians, obviously, but just by and large, I just feel like the market is flooded with this. It's like they don't really understand the point of fiction. Everything has to mm-hmm. be this kind of Little House on the Prairie story. And that's not to knock Little House on the Prairie, but we have other stories to tell. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, and of course we need Christians writing good fiction, but even, you know, not everyone is a writer. So what we need even more and what all of us can do is to think Christianly about fiction. Yes. Um, and we tend to just focus and we should, you know, on the bad examples and things we should stay away from, which is fine. But we really need to think about how even the, the things that we like and that we think are good and hopefully they are good. How is that? You know, think about how that's affecting us in a good way. Right. Um, because that, you know, so there's so many good works out there that are already written that we can expose ourselves to classics and think Christianly about them because they have so much to teach us. Actually, this is the subject of the book I'm working on now. No so, way! Um, Stop! Is it <laughs> I'm really? thinking about it a lot. Yes, I'm, I'm writing uh, about the classical virtues and how we can see them in great works of literature. And so, yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyway, I cannot, I have like been wanting to beg you, like, what are you writing about? Because I know you're writing, <laughs> but I don't know, like, do you ask someone that? I don't even know. Yeah. So that yeah, is no, so it's, exciting. It's I can tell you a little. I'm not telling, you know, it's so that's the general, but I, I'm not t- saying exactly what I'm saying about which and right. everything. And I just, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I'm really excited about it. And, and uh, I hope it's half as good 
as it comes out as I as I think it might be. It <laughs> will be. I'm so in excited. In my mind, it's pretty cool. So. That is going to be a great book. I'm going to read that book. Exciting. Yeah. So I, I, it's my hope and prayer that the book will serve the church in this way that we're talking about is helping us to understand how, you know, we don't even have to be reading stories. We're immersed in stories all day long. The stories we tell around the dinner table, the stories we tell to our, you know, when we're talking to our friends, we tell stories all day long. All day long. We just need to be more aware, aware of, of, you know, how they're affecting and shaping us for good or ill. Right. Right. And I want Christians to be telling good stories. Right. Like, that's what I want. Like, let's tell. We have the best story of all. We do. Yes. Every good story. And you've already alluded to it. Every good story is just borrowed from God. Like, if you're telling a good story, you're borrowing it from the creator. Um, And like you mentioned, you know, we have our in the beginning. We have our once upon a time ends with the wedding. Like (laughs) every good thing comes from God. And so I just think about that. We've already we've beat that to death lately because we like to talk about art. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. Okay, Karen, I have a fun question for you, unless you have something else, Joy. Um, Well, I have a technical question. Ooh, okay. Okay. It's also kind of fun. Okay, good. Um, So I want to know if there's a term for this thing that happens in books and movies and TV shows. Oh, boy. This is like a quiz. I didn't know you were always going to have a quiz. If if there is no term, then that's fine also. Or if I I don't know the term. I just just, think there should be a term for this. We'll make it up. Okay. So, yeah. Or that's fine. Um, Okay. So, I'm going to give you an example. If you need another example, I have endless examples. Because this happens all the time. And people probably don't even realize it. So, for example... It's like there's like a deduction that happens, like a light bulb goes off. And it's because mm-hmm. one person says like a stupid thing that's not related to anything. So like, mm-hmm. for example, two detectives are like having trouble cracking a case and they keep hitting dead ends. And then uh, one of the detectives is like super angry. So he like gets up and and the other detective is more even keel. And so he's like, there's really no use crying over spilled milk. And the detective's like wait a minute, milk, milk. And, and he's like, the victim was lactose intolerant. Why did they have milk in their fridge? So what is that called? Because so, that happens all the time. Do you either, think it's cheesy? Do you, are you okay with that device? Is there a name okay, for this device? So that, you know, that's a quite, that, that is a common thing that happens in detective fiction. And I'm not an expert in detective fiction. So I don't know if there is a name for that. Um, I but I like do know exactly what you're talking about. Now, there's a larger term. I'm just going to kind of fake it a little bit because I don't know the answer to that question. And, and now, I'm, of course, as soon as we're done, I'm going to look it up. But yes. um, there is something in um, a broader example of that called Deus Ex Machina. machina. Yeah. God in the that. Machine. Yeah. Which is like some sort of external person coming in and saving the day. I don't think this is actually that. Right. But it seems like it's a, um, it's a, a trope within detective fiction. Um, that may have a specific name, but I don't know. It's like by proxy. It's like, well, the deus ex machina is like the eagles in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know that one. How much House or Sherlock have you been watching, Joy? I mean, so this is the thing. This is where I, um, this is where this this thought came from. Uh So in Independence Day, Uh one of the guys is like, don't catch a cold. 
And that's how the guy comes up with the virus. Giving a cold to, to the alien. Right. This computer virus to shut down their force fields right. and stuff like that. So I'm watching, I was watching a review of Independence Day. What? This is what I do. What? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I watch, Hold on. I watch movie reviews of pretty much everything that has ever existed. Okay. And you know, um, Independence Day came out when we were like five. Well, and then it came out again and recently, it which it shouldn't have. And but no. um, anyway, this is something I like doing I love you in so my much. spare time. Um, and so on the show, they were like, is there a term for that? And I was like, is there a term for that? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I thought of like some options that it could be, but I was like, it doesn't, it none doesn't of them actually fit, fit it all perfectly. Right, right. Wow. Okay. That's great. I'm going to, when. So that's uh, something for all of you to think about. When you get off the phone with us and you find out what this is, be sure <laughs> to let me know. I just um, think there should be a term for it. It happens enough. It does happen a lot. To where it should be considered like a literary device right. or a device of some kind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There probably is. I mean, detective fiction is its own genre. Right. With, yeah, its own rules. And I, you know, I just haven't studied it that much. Right. Yeah. I have a dream to go to London because I have such a fascination with Sherlock Holmes and also Harry Potter, but mostly but Sherlock right. Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I just well, I, so many good. I want to see 221 Baker Street so badly. I just can't even describe. But anyway, <laughs> OK, so I was driving here today and I knew I was going to get to talk to you and I was so excited. And this question popped in my head and I was like, this out of all the questions I have is the thing I want to ask Dr. Pryor. Oh, boy. Okay. So... I hope I know the answer to this one. Well, well, you this, is not yeah. a, this is purely fun. It's just for fun. Um, okay. So, you like books. And I need to know, if you, if you were a villain in literature, what villain would you choose to be and why? Oh, that's a fun question. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I were a villain, what villain would I choose to be and why? Hmm. So, uh, oh, goodness. I know. It's a hard one, right? That is a hard one. There's Should so you, many. Oh, Summer, why don't you go? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. mine's yeah. easy. Well, yeah, yeah. And give her, yeah. Mine's easy, and I've already given you guys the answer. Um, Moriarty? I, I would be Moriarty. Okay. If I could be any villain, it'd be Moriarty, because I could play with Sherlock Holmes. And because I love Sherlock Holmes and also because Moriarty is like the opposite of everything that I am. Like, I could never be a criminal mastermind. Right. Like the other day I was going to make this sausage thing for dinner and I just didn't take the sausage out of the freezer. Like that's how far, like that's how many steps ahead I, (laughs) I can, I think. Um, so Moriarty is my opposite. And, but I just feel like how fun would that be? I could be this criminal mastermind in London and I could play with Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes and I would have this weird love-hate relationship and I just feel like that would be the most fun. Um, I just, I love Moriarty and I love that he's like Sherlock's opposite right. and I love their relationship. It's like counterpoint, like they're equals. Right. But he's the evil version. I would love to be that smart. Right. So if I could pick a villain, a villain, that's who it would be. And interestingly enough, if I could pick like a literary character to be, it wouldn't be Sherlock. It would be Holmes or Watson. Watson. It would be Watson. Okay. 
because then I could be his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> you you have this respect for Sherlock Holmes that yeah. you can't be him. I can't be him. But you would like to like be surround him. <laughs> I could like help him with things. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. So that's mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I also have mine. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Um, oh. So I don't know. So you say literature. Mm, I know who you're going to say. Who? You want to be um, the lady from book. Why can't I think of her name? Umbridge. Umbridge. I would never be Umbridge. What? She like, she is the, she is but the you character. Knew I was thinking. Yeah. She is the character. Like when I read that book, mm-hmm. I get upset angry like Umbridge, i yeah. hate her we, so much that i can who she, we should say who i can she never is. be her dolores umbridge from harry potter. harry potter um order of the phoenix order of the phoenix yeah so year oh. five yes um i totally thought you were gonna say umbridge no never okay, okay but so so i know i'm sure some people don't like to think of of stephen king as a legitimate author but he is he is out he and, is yeah. and i used to just devour everything I did King. too. We can be friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My stepdad had was a huge sci-fi guy, and he had pretty much every Stephen King book. So because I was a poor kid, like you had to borrow his eleven books. to thirteen, I used to just like go into their room and just like grab one, and then when I was done, I'd grab another <laughs> one and all this. But so my favorite villain, pretty much of all time, I'm probably forgetting someone, but of all time, is Leland Gaunt. From Needful Things. So Leland Gaunt is a person with basically no story other than that you assume he's not an actual human because he's very evil and has certain powers. Hmm. But he moves into a small town in Maine and opens up a shop called Needful Things where he sells very rare and sometimes very everyday items for... Um, inappropriate amounts of money, so either cheap or more expensive. But essentially, he sells all these items that create this like whole domino effect throughout the town to where everyone is committing crimes against each other. Sometimes he sells things in exchange for a favor. So is he the villain, but he's also the protagonist of the novel? No. Oh, okay. So he is, he's just the villain. Got it. The, okay. the main character is different. Yeah. Um, but so... Um, yeah, so he basically tears apart this entire town, and he just goes around to, mm-hmm. you would assume, to all over the place and sets up the shop and then has all this, I mean, no one ever, it's all this deniability because yeah. nobody ever, like, traces it all back to him because it's very, right. it's like paintings or baseball right. cards or whatever, right. and then it's just... Don't tell me the end, I want to read The favors are just, like, small, <laughs> right. yeah, small yeah. favors that don't really have any... Imp- impact other than in this huge large scale right thing so did we both choose masterminds we did okay we did okay all right all right no pressure all right well i i mean i have to say that because most of the i'm everything that i read is like realistic fiction so you know it's not like there are Elevated heroes and horrible Are you saying villains, Sherlock so. is not realistic? 
Uh, get yeah. out of here Stephen King so not realistic. I'm gonna have to go with like and I, I never read Harry Potter you know I was just I'm too old I didn't read any of that I don't read that so I haven't read you know anyway you should so, get Harry Potter um, on Audible you should listen to it I've heard, I've heard it's oh, the reader is great what? yeah I was looking for something mm-hmm. on Audible I heard oh, that the that reading is, the, is really that is entertaining an excellent idea I'm yes. going to yes Okay. All right. Did we just Thank get you. KSP to read Harry Potter? Yes. I feel like a life goal just happened. <laughs> wow. It's a really good idea. Yeah, okay. get that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to pick... Um, so I'm going to pick an antagonist, okay? Okay. Uh, you know, as opposed to a villain, because I don't, I can't think of anything that has any villains that I've read other than Paradise Lost, and I'm not going to pick Satan. Right. Um, <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that. I was like, Satan is the villain in a lot of things. But. I know. Those were the only ones that came to mind. I'm, not, I'm like, I'll really get trolled if I say that. <laughs> so um, I um, just finished reading, listening on Audible to. Uh, Heim Potox, The Chosen, um, which, uh, yeah, so it's it's a coming-of-age story of a young Jewish boy. Mm-hmm. And the antagonist in the story is Reb Saunders, who is his friend, his, his Siddick's friend's father, who's a kind of, seems like a cold and harsh man. And, you know, he's not a villain. I want to say he's definitely not a villain, but he is the story's antagonist um, and is, you know, a source of conflict for both the main character and his friend. And so, but he's, he's kind of a cool guy. Uh, um, he's very intellectual and very, very committed to his religion, very passionate, very intolerant, very, um, mean. Um, and well, the opposite um, yeah, of everything. I would want to be him. He's pretty, pretty cool. Rev right. Saunders. Well, you said the book was The Chosen? The Chosen by Haim Potok, who is a Jewish writer. And, um, and he, this is his coming of age story okay. written, um, you know, around World War II and, and when, and the founding of Israel. There's actually a lot of history in there about the history of the Jewish people and, right. and the foundation of Israel. What is your favorite coming of age story? I know mine. Oh, go ahead. What is it? At a Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Maggie Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah, I read that favorite. so long ago. Oh my goodness, me too. Aww. It was really the book that got me into reading because I think I oh, read it. Oh, those are magical. Yes. Those, mm-hmm. those books that do that. That's yep. my magic book. I was nine or 10. It is not a nine or 10 year old reading level. So <laughs> don't please don't take this as my, um, hey, everyone, get your nine or 10 year old this book because it's definitely not that level but I found it in the library and my teacher let me check it out of the library and I read that book and it seriously just created like a domino effect in my life of like I had to pick up book after book after book after that um and I love all of her books and it just holds this really special place for me like when I when I say a tree grows in Brooklyn I actually just like feel uh, like release like it's just nostalgic to that level for me so right. that that's definitely mine well I have two from like that age group that, that did that and had that magic for me um, so one of them it was are you there god it's me margaret yes uh-huh. <laughs> everyone remembers that mm-hmm. one uh-huh. and but even more so um, for me than that one is actually the outsiders oh so, perfect yeah. yes cool. yeah did you like I the, still I still have a crush on Pony Boy. Of course. Okay, I was going to say did you like the movie? Uh I think I saw it but I don't really remember it okay. so I I, it's I don't It's the book yeah. for you. Got it. Yeah. 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 
What about you, Joy? What's your coming of age? I didn't mean to go here, but this is fine. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I feel like this. I'm getting a little repetitive. Okay. But I love <laughs> the book It. <laughs> and that's totally wow, really a coming like of age friends, story. Joy. It's totally a coming of age story. Um, wow. Other than that, other than that, um, I mean, I think of Lord of the Rings as a coming of age story. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I can see that. You know, I just, mean, yeah. But um, I love you. But it, <laughs> I, and I love, I love the movie too. The movie to me is a coming of age movie. <laughs> um, it's about kids growing up, basically. Uh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. that's what the whole story is about. Mm-hmm. It's about them growing up, and it has, <laughs> and it feel, and like so. Why I like the movie is because it sort of captures the same essence of like summer and nostalgia and younger times that the book does you're a magical creature (laughs) you are and i'm telling you i just read so much stephen king when i was a kid that many of my literary memories from a kid from being a kid will be stephen king they just will be Mm -hmm. it explains your blue hair (laughs) (laughs) all right well karen dr Pryor, i don't even know um it was such a joy to have KSP. you. KSP. KSP. Yes. This was a <laughs> no, lot of Karen fun. No, is fine. I love KSP. This was a <laughs> lot. Yes. This was a lot of fun. I, you're one of my favorite guests. I hope that you'll come back at some point if we didn't I would love you to. Away. Okay, good. Yay. Yay. Um, thank you so much for being with us. And you know what? I'm sure I'm going to see you online. I'm sure you will. I spend way too much time there. Yes. Hey, me too. <laughs> me too. I don't read enough. <laughs> So thanks again for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later, Karen. Thank you. All right, guys, if you haven't yet, be sure to hit us up on patreon.com slash sheologians and consider keeping us on your airwaves. They're not airwaves. Keeping the lights on. Keeping the lights on. Um, and uh, we will see you guys next week. We live on front porches and sing We get by just fine here on minimum wage. Love is a labor, I'll sleep till the